Welcome to Smart Creation, the podcast, an invitation to explore the potential of sustainable fashion. Every other Wednesday, Adrian, your host, talks to key players in the fashion industry to discover new products and understand the challenges behind offering more responsible fashion and learn the solution available today. This podcast is brought to you by Première Vision, the leading event organizer for fashion professionals. To find out more, go to www.premiervision.com. Discover and enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to Smart Creation, the podcast. Today, I'm very excited. I'm talking with Pasha Whitmire. He's Material Development Lead at Patagonia. Hello, Pasha. Hi, Adrian. How are you? Very good. And you? Great. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time and thank you, uh, thank, thank you for accepting our invitation. Um, my very first question is: um, Could you please introduce yourself and um, and uh, could you explain us your pathway up to what you are doing right now at uh, Patagonia? Sure. Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you so much for uh, having me on your show, and uh, I'm excited. Uh, on the kinds of topics you guys are discussing. So this is really, it's really great. Um, so yeah, um, I, my name is Pasha. I'm the material development lead at Patagonia. Um, my specialty is mainly in the synthetic material world for, uh, Patagonia and, um, my background, I, I've been kind of in the industry, um, for nearly 10 years. I, studied textile engineering in school uh, from North Carolina State University. Um, I've worked for a couple different outdoor brands in the U.S. and um, and more recently I've been with Patagonia for, for nearly eight years developing materials. Um, and you know, I've had a little bit of experience um, actually testing materials in, in the lab, but then um, a lot of my mo most recent experience has been um, developing um, new supply chains, specifically around um, new material types and um, new waste diversion streams. So, could you please introduce uh, Patagonia? Because I'm, I'm sure a lot of people know Patagonia and bought a Patagonia product, but um, it's, it looks um, both. It looks huge. It's a huge company. Uh, Uh, what is Patagonia and what what makes Patagonia um, um, stand out of the crowd, actually? Sure. So um, Patagonia is an outdoor, um, originally climbing company uh, founded about 50 years ago by Yvonne Chouinard. Um, and the, the basics um, and the premise of the company was kind of started around clean climbing and trying to Um, build product that um, isn't harming the environment. Um, and, and since then, we, you know, we, we're kind of mainly focused on the hard goods side. And then more recently, Patagonia is really um, known and identified as, as a soft goods company um, in apparel for um, all kinds of things from climbing. But, um, you know, we, we, we do surfing things now and, Um, snow and trail and um, fishing products. And um, so the, for a while, our, our mission was build the best product to do no unnecessary harm. Um, but now, uh, and very recently, we changed our mission um, to build, um, 
we're, we're in business to save our home planet. So uh, it's a little bit more poignant now. It, it has a little bit more urgency uh, than it previously did. I mean, in, in some ways you can think of doing no, no harm is, is a little passive. Um, and, and now it's more about like, we are actually actively trying to save, uh, the planet and, and doing things, um, a little bit more progressively than maybe we might've done in the past. Um, okay. When did it happen, this shift and where does it come from? Why you think it's, it's becoming so urgent that you decided to be in business to save the world? And, uh, <laughs> my, my second question is, uh, how, how do you save the world actually? Yeah, I mean, so this was just in the past couple of years. I, I think um, the board and the and and Yvonne um, and his wife Melinda really we were getting to this point where I think a lot of people were recognizing that the trajectory that not only the industry had been on, but even like Patagonia itself had been on for a while. Um, especially like reflecting back after like, wow, we've been in business for 50 years and seeing the state of the world and, and still seeing this kind of like destruction and path that we were on. And even like the political climate that we were in, in the last four years in uh, the U S it, it kind of like was the impetus to really rethink um, what sustainability means and what it means to be in business, um, especially as a B Corp and um, as, as a leader in the apparel industry for sustainability. So I think really what it, what it's about is um, trying to, instead of just trying to build product that um, can, can keep that, that basically takes care of itself and like sustainability sometimes in the, especially in like the, context of like permaculture or something it's kind of like this this closed system that kind of is is regenerating itself um that works but if you're in a if you're in a place where you've already created so much destruction and your product has has done that um then the thought then thinks like well how can i actually repair and do better than i than I was previously doing and, and kind of like clean up my mess from before. So um, I think that's kind of like the attitude that we're, we're kind of having now is, is, is how can we have a positive change, not just like a neutral change um, and, and affect the industry that way. And um, we've been looking at, at we, we look at it from many different lenses on, on how can we make this change? I mean, of course, I think, many would agree that like the biggest problem is, is really carbon emissions and, and, and that's like the number one contributor to climate change. And so, so trying to address that measure that um, has been a big task um, and a big part of the work that we're doing at Patagonia. And we, we've got folks that are um, working specifically to try and capture metrics from our material suppliers on how much carbon and water and energy and chemical usage and toxicity and um, all these other uh, waste measurements, um, air pollution, and, and collecting all these metrics and um, trying to, to kind of paint a picture of, of what is the impact of Patagonia's full supply chain all the way down to the original 
raw material, the, the cradle in which our, our products are built from. Um, and what we find is that um, as a business, Patagonia's product, um, you know, it, nearly 80% of the impact is coming from just the materials themselves, the fabrics. So we know that to make, and I mean, from a carbon perspective. So, so we know that to, to try and make improvements, especially in the apparel industry, we must focus on the, the fabrics and the materials and, and trying to, to make improvements at every step of the supply chain and, um, and address that because it's, it's a, it's a real problem and it's, it's, it, it's so impactful. You know, a, a lot of times people think, oh, like the shipping, we're shipping things all around the world. And of course we need to like work on that. But it's interesting to see that the, the shipping carbon emissions and the impact coming from shipping is, is so minuscule compared to the massive impact that, that comes from just building the materials themselves. Um, so the raw materials is, is a really important one to focus on. And how do you make the material uh, neutral? <laughs> where do you start? Where, where do oh, you start yeah. actually to to make a, a, a carbon neutral material or to offset this uh, carbon emission? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so it, it kind of depends on the product. I mean, you know, it, Patagonia builds a wide range of mater like materials and, and products. We're, we're building technical um, shells for mountaineering um, and, you know, th those sorts of things are some of the most impactful uh, products we build, right? Um, waterproof breathables, three layers, composites, laminates, coatings, those sorts of things. There's so many things that go into it. Um, and then on the other side, we also build things like t-shirts. <laughs> um, and so, You know, the materials that go into those two things are very different. Um, even the way that they're built are very different. Um, so it's about kind of maximizing what we can do in each space and then even setting up future projects around trying to really move the meter. So, for example, with, with T-shirts, um, we've been doing some really incredible things like with the responsibility, which is a really good example of where we're, we're using both recycled polyester and recycled cotton. And, and by using recycled naturals, especially, um, we are really reducing the amount of CO2 emissions and water and energy that goes into the raw material stage. And, um, you know, kind of offsetting all that work that went into like growing the cotton, collecting it and processing it, everything. We're just starting from waste And, and then regenerating that back into um, uh, a new product, which is, is, is really exciting. And, and we've been looking at LCA lifecycle analysis on these sorts of products. And um, we're really amazed at how, how much lower we can get the product. But even something like that, that case example is, is, is kind of your best case scenario for impact. And still, you know, you still have carbon impact. You still have water. You still have all these things that um, go into it, even at the, the best case. Yeah. And so um, what, what we still have to think about is if we're trying to do neutral, like no harm, or if we're trying to do good and positive impact, then there's still things that we need to do, um, you know, and that includes things like carbon offsetting and, 
um, you know, other kinds of projects like that. So, you know, a, a large part of Patagonia is also, um, you know, the, the, the money that we give through uh, 1% for the planet, through grassroots environmental organizations, um, as well as grants that we're um, giving out. So, so that's one element to um, kind of that positive change. But um, we're also looking into, um, once again, um, actually offsetting the the products that we're building and so we're, we're we're working with organizations that we can identify places where um you know if 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 we contribute you know x amount this this is going to go towards uh reforestation in certain places and um or protection of certain critical wetlands or um places like that that really um are going to move the meter on, on carbon and, and that can help to offset the, the harm that we're doing um, with our products. All right. I understood that, uh, I mean, the best way not to harm the planet is to not buy the jackets uh, you don't need, yeah. to not buy the jackets that's going to break in a, in a few months or in a few years. I'm very interested into uh, making uh, garments and material that last uh, forever, that is very strong. And I understood that you are, you, you've been through this uh, testing departments for for a few for a few years i would like to understand um how do you pick a material how do you what what is the stress test you you give to them uh, to make sure that this material this jacket this garment is gonna last for not forever but uh, at least for a human lifetime yeah that's that's a great question um because there is there is a balance of building something that lasts a true eternity um but then Uh, something that will last a lifetime and something that will be durable for the lifetime. It, the, the best thing that you can possibly do for the environment is buy as little as possible, little new product as possible, and have as few articles of clothing as you can. <laughs> and then those few pieces that you have are the highest quality, um, most durable, long-lasting pieces of garments that you can, you can have. So if, if you can have one jacket that lasts you your whole life, then you will have succeeded in minimizing your impact on the world. Um, and, and sometimes we do make decisions at Patagonia and, and we balance things like, okay, maybe this option A might have some higher level of low carbon impact at this moment. But if we pick option B, this is actually twice as more durable as option A. So therefore, you know, this product will actually have a less impact on the environment over the long term. Um, so we do think about that thing, those things and, and durability is definitely huge and quality uh, is a big consideration of Patagonia. I mean, we have a very robust testing and standards um, process that we put all of our fabrics through. Um, and on the synthetic side, especially, um, you know, we, we, we put things through our 24 hour killer wash test, which is um, a really interesting one um, where it's just a continuous washing test that mimics wet flex and abrasion for um, uh, a lifetime. And it really helps to highlight any weaknesses in a fabric that, that, you know, after many, many years of use, um, you know, things like delamination and stuff like that. So, um, you know, those are things that, that we try and really focus on and we don't, we don't compromise at Patagonia for, um, 
the environmental piece. And, you know, over the years, we've gotten quite good at, you know, all of our, our waterproof shells, for example, our most technical product at Patagonia are all incorporating recycled content now, but we haven't compromised on like the durability, the tearing strength, the, um, all those standards that make Patagonia the, the best quality product on the market. So, how is it to work at Patagonia? How is it to work there? Yeah, it's really um, it, it's it's a, a really amazing thing to work at a company that values um, environmental uh, like environmental metrics, right? Like a lot of companies are always concerned about the bottom line or um, sales and revenue and this kind of thing. And, and it, it's really true that Patagonia tries its hardest to consider other things than just the dollar, uh, amount and, and thinking about what the actual environmental impact is of, of the product. And so I think that's like a really wonderful thing to, to be a part of. And, um, and, it, and it has a lot more meaning, um, for, for me and, and many of my colleagues, to be working on product like that. And, um, and then not only that, but, you know, just, yeah, I think that's like the biggest piece. I'm always, um, I'm, I'm always thinking about, uh, about Patagonia as, as a big business. I, I see a very successful business and, um, I'm almost sure that you, sometimes you are facing some, <laughs> some, um, some some question you you must ask some question to yourself you know you you're such a big company uh you such uh, you are you, you are making a lot of dollars um and um and at, at the end of the day uh i'm sure people a lot of people are telling you this at the end of the day uh, um making no harm to the planet is not selling anything uh how do you see this um this um I don't know how do you say it in English, but um, in being a, such a big company, making a lot of dollars and not impacting the environment, how, how, how do you, yeah, how do you face this personally? Yeah, I think that's um, a great question, and I think it's been a huge conflict for Patagonia, especially in, in more recent years. I mean, it's always been a conflict, but recently. Um, You know, I think it was like a couple of years ago, we passed um, the billion dollar mark for our revenue. And and it's it's very interesting because we, we started, as I mentioned earlier, we we're collecting metrics around our carbon impact and everything related to the company's um, harm on the planet, right? And we saw that as the company grows, dollar amount, and we make these great innovations like changing things to recycled and... Um, all these different projects that we've got, we have going on on trying to reduce our carbon, no matter what, even if like we changed everything to 100% recycled and, um, and made all these like amazing changes to our product, we still as we growed, as we grew, then our, our impact and our harm on the planet is, is actually increasing every year um, as we grow as a company. So Um, that's another thing that's, that's really incredible is the board and the founders, um, they, they really are trying to set goals in place at the company so that we're not focusing so heavily on growth and trying to stabilize our business, um, in an economic model, really where we're not 
we're not focused so much on growing our dollar amount each year. And that requires us to actually have to turn down a lot of business, especially, um, you know, we're kind of like throttling back a lot on, on like our sales with wholesalers or even direct business sometimes. And, um, and, and so by doing that, we can really focus on our product that we currently make and how can we make our, our product that we make now um, the best that we can um, and then also the, the least amount of harm possible. So then we kind of start bringing that balance of um, CO2 emissions and water usage and all that kind of stuff back up while so, so that we're not in this like endless race of, you know, revenues increasing, products are increasing, and then we're constantly chasing our tails trying to prevent this harm. So um, it's a little bit more of a balanced approach and, and a little bit more unconventional in like a capitalist system, but um, it, it's really progressive. And, and I, I really think it's something that a lot of people should really consider uh, a lot of companies should consider uh, well um giving advice to the, to the to the rest of the industry um uh, i mean if i'm a if i'm a, a young entrepreneur a young designer or um, at the head of uh, of a big company what should i start with uh And, and more globally, uh, what should the fashion industry do to accelerate sustainable revolution, according to you? Um, I think asking the question, where did this come from? What is this made of? How is this made? Um, I think that we have the tendency in apparel to uh, constantly and very quickly um put new product out into the world um, without having a lot of thought around those questions I just asked. And fortunately, I think the, f the fashion industry now is, is starting to think more about these questions, which is, is really great. Um, but I think that it's important to really dive super deep on, on these things. And, and even when you ask the question, what was this made of? And then the answer is recycled nylon like still ask the question, well, what was it recycled from? What was the waste? Where did it come from? What problem is it solving? Is it helping to, to fix our wa our waste problem in the world? And, and is it making a positive change? Like d these are the kinds of like deeper dive questions that I think we really need to be asking ourselves. And I think also, um, I think keep doing what, what we're doing as far as like building beautiful product. And, and I think that's like a really important thing as well is to, to build something that is aesthetically pleasing so that um, it works. People like it. They want to wear it. Like imagine buying something that's, that's ugly, that falls apart. Like, you know, you're going to, going to, you're going to replace that garment very quickly and that's very harmful to the environment as well. So I think having the thoughtful building, design process in the beginning and then um and then making sure that once that garment is with the customer that it's something that they're going to want to keep forever and that it's going to last forever for them um, those two things are, are really important do you have any advices for <laughs> to to make a long life long life design i don't know you said but uh, a design that lasts yeah. forever sure i mean i think it's thinking about like timeless design, classic design, things that, that won't go out of style in one season. Um, 
you know, those are the sorts of things that we, we think about a lot when we're, we're designing new product and it's easy to get caught up in trends. Um, but, but knowing, I think it's okay to, to try and design something aesthetically that meets a trend as long as we all have the foresight that that could last, uh, through this trend and it, it will be a classic timeless piece that, you know, 10 years from now, you'll look at it in your closet and you'll still want to wear it. Like those are really important things, I think, to, to think about. Not just something that like, oh, I'm just going to wear this for one season um, and then it's out. Like it's been really interesting during COVID even, you know, I, I feel like I've been wearing the same sweater every day and the same sweatpants every day. And, and I have all these clothes in my closet, um, but I gravitate towards these two articles of clothing. And so I think it's thinking about thinking about fashion and apparel in that way, where it's like, what do people really need to wear? What do they want to wear? What, what is going to make them feel comfortable and happy? And, and those are the kinds of products we need to be building for people, not the ones that just sit in their closet for a year and they pull out once uh, every couple of years, you know? <laughs> And what do you do at Patagonia to make sure that you are that your your design uh, um, yeah fits the, what the people want? Um, yeah, I think it's it's about having a thoughtful approach um, and and doing a lot of of research for your customer. I mean, I think if if you're if if you're designing, um, let's say, some new climbing pants, um, it's about going to some you know, some local crags and, and, and talking with the community and, and really becoming a part of the community and understanding what that climbing community or whatever community you're di designing for and understanding what their needs are and, and what they gravitate towards. Um, it's interesting that, you know, if you were to see, um, climbers, sometimes they're just climbing in jeans or, uh, you know, yoga tights or something like that. And, 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 and when you see that, you're like, huh, that's interesting. Like we're focusing so hard on building a specific climbing pant that uses this specific material, but at the end of the day, people are just wearing jeans and yoga tights anyways, then maybe, maybe Patagonia needs to be doing a better job or whoever needs to be doing a better job of thinking about, well, maybe I need to be making a yoga tight or a gene that's great for climbing. It's great for yoga. It's great for going to the bar. It's great for going shopping. It's great for hanging out in, in the house, like something more multifunctional. And, um, and I think that's the kind of like design process that, uh, a lot of our designers go through. Coming back on the material, um, what is your, your favorite one? Um, I think I have to, to make, maybe say two things like, I think I'm most excited about um, Patagonia's new uh, recycled nylon uh, Bereo. Uh, it's called Net Plus. It's from uh, recycled fishing nets, 100% post-consumer recycled fishing nets, which I helped to, to bring on. And I think that's probably my, my most favorite material because I helped to establish that supply chain, um, that chemical recycling supply chain. Okay, just um, maybe what we're going to pause here. Can okay. you explain us what has been the process of, of setting up such a product? Because I guess it, sure. like, it took so, so much time. I guess you, then, you made yeah. some partnership with some uh, some manufacturer, etc. Can you explain us the whole process? Yeah, yeah for sure. So um, the company Bureo, uh is 
is a, a startup that um, basically identified that there was a huge problem in Central or sorry South America where these fishing nets are being discarded in the oceans. We we, we know that like a vast majority of the plastic waste in the oceans are coming from fishing nets. So this company, Boreo, decided that they would try and do something about it and create a, kind of a municipality, basically, to help collect these fishing nets from fishermen, local fishermen, um, before they were tempted to just throw them back into the ocean or whatever. They could kind of bring them back, and then there would be this kind of community connection uh, where, you know, we would stay connected. They would know that their fishing nets are going to be recycled and then um, they could get some return on it. And so these fishing nets, we, we, we identified that. And then we had to work with some of our large partners, uh, specifically in Asia, um, and connect them who already had chemical recycling capabilities. And we had to figure out, this actually took a couple of years, um, but we had to figure out how to get these fishing nets over to Asia to do the chemical recycling back into caprolactam and then, um, and then regenerate it back into, um, virgin or, you know, virgin quality, uh, nylon. So, um, we'll be launching our, uh, that recycled nylon this next spring season. So I'm very excited about that. And, um, yeah, I think it's like a, a big step forward. It looks like you 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 spot one initiative that is very uh, promising, and you you work with them and uh, you help them to to set this up uh, and 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 uh, and and make it uh, industrial industrial industriable. I don't know if you say it in English, but uh, you make it you make the process industrial um, possible, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah, and and scalable as well as well. So it's something that we we identified as this huge problem. Um, and we also recognized too, that like we could be doing better with our own recycled materials as well. Like if, if we're just collecting these recycled materials that maybe would have never made it into the waste stream, or maybe wouldn't have been incinerated because maybe it would have been downcycled into another industry, like the automotive industry or something like that, or, Maybe these plastic bottles we're collecting for polyester that are mainly coming from first world countries that have great municipalities set up. Like those systems are already set up. And if we can do something to start new processes and new municipalities that are helping to clean the world, you know, and in places that really need help and need that, then, um, then I think that that's really where we need to be focusing on, um, is making change there. So we're trying to do that with our nylons. We're trying to do that with our polyesters. Um, we're making progress. Uh, and, and I think that's like th those, those materials are definitely, uh, the things that are, I'm, I'm most excited about. All right. Is there any other material you are very excited about? Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity with polyester. Um, okay. it's just the, the number one used, synthetic material, or I guess it's the number one material used in apparel, um, in the world. And I think that the circularity aspect to polyester is very interesting to me, especially for the products that we have the biggest issue with circularity. Things like, um, 
waterproof shells specifically where we're typically coating them in polyurethane or laminating many different types of materials together. If, if we can try and think of ways of building garments out of one material like polyester mm. and um, figuring out ways of collecting the cutting scraps at the garment factory and, and even uh, waste through each step and then even post-consumer waste as well and, and figuring out how we can recollect that. Um, I think there's a huge opportunity there because, um, you know, so, some uh, research that we've already done has shown that, that there's an incredible amount of wasted material that happens in the apparel industry. And, and we really need to be thinking more about what we do about that. Like even on average at the, at the garment factory, I mean, usually about 20% of the fabric is just simply wasted by cutting the shapes and the patterns for building the garment. So if we can be collecting that 20% back in and, and regenerating that all back into the original or new product, I mean, we would really be reducing um, uh, our, our impact a, a great deal. So that's something I'm very excited about. And I think polyester or, and, and mono materials is a great way to start there. Could you explain us or, or do you... Or do you work with manufacturers? Because I mean, you 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 you've been talking about a lot of new innovation, etc. But uh, um, what's your relationship with um, yeah with the manufacturers? Or, or do you? I mean, you are so powerful um, with the volume you are doing. Uh, or do you help the, the the rest of the industry to to go in the right direction? Um, uh, I, I understood. That I understand that you are you are very open book uh, policy or in, on an open book policy uh, um, when it comes to material etc uh, you are sharing a lot to the rest of the industry um, can you explain us how do you yeah how do you proceed with the rest of the industry for sure so um, my example earlier about the recycled nylon from Boreo net plus that's that's something that Patagonia invested in and um, you know, we helped to build that supply chain and launch that supply chain, but that's something that we are very, um, excited about opening up to the entire apparel industry. And it's not something that is just exclusive for Patagonia. I mean, something that we feel like can really change the, um, the way we make clothes. So, um, those sorts of things, when we, we come up with a new innovation there, we're trying to share that with, with everyone. It's not an exclusive thing for Patagonia. And then um, at the same time, uh, you know, we're, we're also um, open, completely open with our supply chain. You can look on our website at any garment we make and you can see who was the fabric mill, who was the garment manufacturer. Um, so if, if you're unsure about like, okay, what would be a good, um, you know, recycled wool supplier uh, for the sweater I'm trying to design and, and you think, oh, well, Patagonia might, might have a, a good partner there. You can just go on our website and type in recycled wool into the search bar and pull up any garment and see exactly where it's made. And, and you can get the con and, and find the contacts for that mill and, and start building, um, product from the same manufacturers that we use. So, so all this is transparent and it's open, so you can know where our products are coming from. And, um, and we do have really strong partnerships with our, our mills and our garment manufacturers on, 
on trying to really push um, forward with innovation on on um, environmental impact. I mean, we worked with our some of our partners on trying to get solar panels on their roof at the the weaving facility, so that uh, we're we're totally offsetting and and using renewable energy for. Um, the, the all the energy that goes into building the fabrics, which is extremely intensive. Um, you know, we, we've got partners on, um, you know, reducing our, our our water and our chemical toxicity, and um, we've got all kinds of projects going on. And and I think, yeah, if there's anything specific, you know, I, I feel like, you know, feel free to reach out to me directly, um, and um, and we can talk about it. We love partnering on things. We do it not only on the environmental side, but even like the, the social side. I mean, like th- that's a very important thing for us as well as the community and and how we're treating people around the world. And um, we've we've done a lot of great work with other folks um, like Lululemon, and, um, Nike, and and some others, and in Taiwan um, around the labor issues there. So um, there's 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 great collaboration and partnership that we can we can um, have in the apparel industry to really make some meaningful impacts and change and and you know Patagonia isn't the biggest player and and we but but by by making these partnerships and um, collaborating like we have we've really been able to to make some real change so um, I, I wouldn't get uh, caught up on like oh our business is too small like it, there's still ways of, of making change even if you have a small business. One of the, of the big issues in the fashion industry, the subcontractor issue, you know, uh, sometimes you don't know who is your the, sub, the subcontractor of your subcontractor of your subcontractor. Um, oh, yeah. When you're such a big com- when you are such a big company like uh, Patagonia, even if you said you, you're small, you, you're quite big. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you've got some subcontractor of subcontractor. How do you make mm-hmm. sure that the, the social and the well, the social aspect of the business is respected at all uh, at all points of a yeah. of a supply chain. So I, I think it's kind of twofold. One is 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 setting priorities, um, mm. and 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 really focusing on the areas of your supply chain and your business that are going to be most impactful. So you know, if, if it's, if you don't have the time to do everything, then you can only have the time to do the most impactful things. So, so it's important to, to understand, okay, this is the largest part of my business. This is my most harmful part of my business. This is the place where I'm going to focus all of my energy on for now so that I can make the biggest change. And then from there, you can keep diving down the supply chain and, and, um, getting more and more specific. Another way is, um, trying to limit the amount of like newness and, um, you know, constant new design process every season. So if, if, if we're just designing a million products every season, we're not going to have the time to like ask the questions of like, well, where did the, where did this fabric come from and who was the yarn supplier and, and when, and where are they located and how did they get the material to build this yarn and all this kind of stuff. Right. So if you limit that, that amount of newness, you can have more time to focus on those questions and really understand where something came from, who made it, how did they make it? Um, 
And and those are really you know, super important questions. And, and those are questions that we ask our, ourselves and, and we record all that stuff. And again, going back to the, the traceability around, you know, all this stuff is on our website. We know where everything came from um, when we built something. It's a part of our process. Coming back on the on on Patagonia again, uh, what 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 have um, what have the next step in the next five to ten years? I mean, coming back on the material aspect of this business, uh, what are the, mm -hmm. the, the the biggest project coming in the in the next five to ten years? Um, so I think the biggest things that are happening in the next five to ten years are really around um, trying to eliminate. Um, you know, reaching that new, those neutrality goals, trying to, to be a carbon neutral company, trying to, um, reduce our waste by a certain percentage, trying to eliminate certain types of chemistries like, like PFCs, right? We're trying to get out of PFC free D or we're trying to get out of PFC DWR, um, and move to PFC free DWRs. And so th these are the sorts of things that you'll be seeing in the next five years. And, And then, you know, for the long term, long term, like, you know, 10 years, I mean, we're, we're really just trying to, to figure out how can we start pushing back into the positive spectrum? How can we not just do neutral, but how can we really give back to the world? And, um, and so trying to set up projects around that and connect um, our environmental initiatives and grants and things like that to the product we're building. And that's kind of... Um, what it looks like for the long term completely out of um renewal like really moving to complete renewables as well completely renewables yeah. and how do you see the evolution of uh, sports and lifestyle uh, fashion industry um are, are you are you an optimistic person when it comes to uh, to the to to the future of our planet uh and the future of our industry Yeah, I personally am uh, definitely optimistic. I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of progress that we've already made um, up until this point, um, and I think we we shouldn't forget that. Um, and and I think that can help give us hope for the future that we can continue to to make change. Um, and I think we we have to just. Um, get out of our own way. I think sometimes we, a lot of people are afraid of change or they, a, a lot of people feel like that, that we always have to do the things that we have always done the, the same way. And, um, I think that like the PFC free DWR example is a, is a good one where, um, you know, the performance is different. It's changed slightly and that's okay like we're still going to be building good product and product that's going to be protecting you for those sports endeavors. Um, but we're not going to, we, we cannot accept the, the harm that we were doing and creating um, by using fluorinated product previously. So th those are the kinds of things that it's one example of, of, you know, many things to come as far as um, changes that, that need to happen. And, and I think that, we can do it. And I think there's a lot of, I'm, I'm excited about like all the brands now that talk about sustainability. I was, we just heard there's like a press release about Nike requiring their um, executives to um, not only um, 
they're not only expected to meet certain financial requirements, but also um, social and environmental requirements now, which is like fantastic. I mean, that, that, that's huge. That, that those sorts of changes are really going to make a huge difference in our world. And, um, I do think that there's a lot of hope for, for us to, um, make a lot of progress and, and change the way that we're doing things. And, and how do you see your, your future at, uh, at Patagonia, uh, outside? I mean, you are still quite young. Uh, how do you see the, um, the future of your own career? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, it's really about trying to, figure out um, expansion of, of the projects we have going on, on, on really connecting um, the sustainability efforts that we have going on on one side of the company, on, on just, you know, giving our profits away to environmental organizations and trying to figure out how to connect that more to materials. Um, and so I think that's, that's a huge area that we're um, – you know, exploring for in the future that I, I'm excited about to be a part of. All right, let's move to the quick rapid fire question. What do you want to close the door to in our industry? Uh, I want to close uh, the, the fast, fast fashion mentality of uh, building product that does not last. And well, my second question regarding this answer is, uh, how do you how do you tell the people who are, who, who are buying this booth product? not to buy them uh, because they are very bad products. Um, I mean, it's, it's always the same, uh, the same question, you know, uh, how do you make sure that your, your, your cousins, your, your children uh, who are very attracted by newness uh, mm -hmm. don't buy those, um, those bad, bad products? Yeah, I think it's about um, just really asking yourself, like, do you really need this? And, do you understand what went into building this product? And, um, and, and, and those sorts of asking those sorts of questions, I think are good to get people thinking a little bit more around like what kind of, um, impact is behind something. I think, I don't know if many people understand how much goes into building a, an article of clothing. It's, it's really incredible. Uh, what, what do you look at to get uh, inspired and how do you stay ahead of the game and how do you stay um, inspired? Um, yeah, so I think I, I look at other industries like um, automotive or even within the outdoor world, even like footwear sometimes can be interesting to look at um, just to kind of stay in tune with like what's happening there. Um, You know, I know that the automotive industry is especially polluting, but they, they've really, they've been thinking very future about things and, and they're really trying to, to clean up their act. I mean, they, uh, so, so I think that's, that's an interesting one to look at, especially because a lot of those technologies can kind of like um, easily uh, relate to apparel in some ways. So I kind of look at that. Um You know, as far as staying inspired, I mean, I, I, I enjoy reading a lot of books um, uh, around, you know, books that kind of talk about like uh, nature and um, permaculture and um, ecology and how interconnected every, every living being is on this planet. And um, I think those sorts of things really inspire me and, and learning about um, different materials from 
um, previous uh, generations as far as, uh, you know, native cultures and, and things like that and, and what kinds of materials we, we used to use many years ago, I think is very interesting as well. Do you have any, any, any book or any, yeah, any title, any author you, 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 we should uh, look at? Oh, uh, I'm not sure offhand. I think, um, I'm reading, uh, this book about, uh, trees at the moment, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Um, I don't know the, the title is actually escaping me at the moment, but it's, it's like the, it's the nonfiction version of the overstory, which is, um, a pretty fan, fan, fanatical, uh, book, but yeah. Great. If you so could like send the, us, I think it's called the, the secret life of trees is what it's called. Yeah. The secret life of trees. Oh yeah. I heard about this one. Yeah. The secret life of cool. trees. Yeah. Cool. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that, uh, Patagonia invested in, into, um, regenerative organic uh, agriculture, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah, so that's and, a, like. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. Oh, the, oh, the, oh, can you tell us about this project and uh, and and the why about this project? Definitely. Um, so that's another exciting initiative that's more on the natural side. And um, like I was mentioning earlier, n with naturals, the the number one way to really reduce the impact is to use recycled naturals. But if you are, in, if you do, if you do need to use. Um, natural material that, uh, is, is made from, um, you know, growing plants. I think that we, we've already been, uh, on this road, uh, with organic and we've really been changing things with cotton and using organic only, but, um, there's this really incredible thing, uh, that's going on in the agricultural space called regenerative organic. And, um, It's more about like the ecology and the connectedness of how nature is already set up and how different plants and animals uh, can take care of each other. So we don't need to be using pesticides or herbicides or anything like that. We can use other plants, bugs, animals to let these plants grow in a regenerative way. And it's about kind of re returning... Um, returning back to that original um, natural way of growing things. And then that way is also um, helps giving back, helps give back to the soil and regenerates the soil um, because a lot of our agricultural practices today can kind of deplete the soil. And, and we're, we're understanding and learning that the soil is, is really um, such an important thing for us here on the, on the planet. And, And taking care of that is, is really critical. So, um, we're excited about some of these new capsule projects and pilot projects that we've been working on with regenerative and, and trying to figure out how to grow that and expand that into all of our naturals that are made from, uh, new, uh, virgin natural material. That's, uh, you are at the very beginning of, uh, of the process, right? Uh, because today, um, we're talking a lot about, um, organic cotton and, um, Uh, mm -hmm. or organic uh, material. Uh, but, uh, I mean, for example, a company or an organization like GOATS uh, is not going that far yet, right? Uh, it's going to mm -hmm. organic, but not uh, organic regenerated uh, material um, or, yeah, material. 
Yeah, fiber. exactly. I mean, and, and it's about, it's about trying to sequester carbon from the atmosphere as well. So I think um, a lot of the current conventional practices with even organic cotton growing, uh, you know, where we're requiring tilling and in, in, in all these different kinds of processes in the agricultural industry are actually emitting carbon. And so with the regenerative process, it's really about trying to sequester that carbon from the atmosphere by using these practices that, that minimize the amount of carbon that's released and, and that really maximize the um, potential of what the plants can do as far as okay. bringing the yeah. carbon back into the soil. Okay. Okay. It's very much about offsetting the carbon from the from the from the very beginning of uh, growing the fiber, right? Exactly. Yes. Great. Uh, another question: What is the last piece of clothes you bought? Oh, the last piece of clothing I bought. I I don't think I've bought any clothes in the last year, <laughs> but. Um, Maybe it could have been a, a pair of jeans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us uh, wh where you are right now? Because uh, we are doing this interview um, remotely. Uh, you are in, uh, in, in, in your van, right? Yeah. I, uh, my wife and I have been uh, traveling around in uh, Montana, uh, doing a lot of backcountry skiing and snowboarding. Um, we've been kind of living out of our um, our our truck camper. <laughs> so we're out here in, uh, in Montana and, uh, have been enjoying, uh, the, the, the snow and the mountains for this winter. Yeah. So, so, so working for Patagonia, um, allow you to do that, right? Because you are still working for Patagonia. <laughs> you are still currently working yes. for Patagonia. And they, yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they allow yeah, you so to, to, I, to do your homework uh, from, from the Montana. They do. Yeah. We, um, I've been able to work remotely during COVID and, um, you know, no one is really going into the office except for a few, um, critical folks that are in like the testing lab or doing fittings. So, um, a lot of the work I've been able to do, um, from the design side and material side, I've been able to do remotely through phone calls like this and, um, you know, shipping fabric samples around and, um, we, we've kept our design process going, um, even, uh, remotely. So it's been working out. I just have to make sure that I have good internet and, uh, And then I can I can really take care of my job. So I um, yeah. Do you do you have any tips on this one? How to you get good? How to get good internet? Because I think this is the the one the oh, very first question yeah. for anybody who wants to walk away from uh, Paris or or big cities. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. I think uh, unfortunately I can't go too far away from cities. Uh, I I think at the start of COVID in the summer we 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 did a little bit more. Uh, Ad adventurous exploring into national parks and national forest. And, um, it was quite difficult to stay connected, um, for, for work. So, uh, you know, I think we've kind of learned our lesson and, and we, we, uh, have to have like a Airbnb or, or something, uh, to kind of, uh, make sure that we have good internet and, um, and we're in civilization during the week, <laughs> but on the weekends or on vacation, we can get out into those, remote places without any cell service or anything like that <laughs> all right That's my advice and uh, 
<laughs> to my two last question. Uh, the, the first one is, uh, we talked about it already, but who is the personality you would like to listen to in this podcast? And my last one is, uh, what message you want to, to tell to the rest of uh, our industry? I mean, uh, a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are in the industry. They are buyers, they are, they are designers, they are manufacturers. Uh, what do you want to tell them? Um, I think I would love to hear uh, from Ellen MacArthur and Ellen MacArthur Foundation. I think that like the kind of work they're doing is is really leading the charge with um, new thinking in the fashion industry. So um, I would I'd love to to hear from them. And then uh, I think my final message would just be, um, you know, ask the ask the deeper questions and and um, don't be afraid to keep digging further. Uh, to really understand uh, where your product came from and uh, and how it was made. All right. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you. Uh, take Thank care you. and hope to, to speak to you soon. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't know when, <laughs> but I, I, I hope to see you in, the, in, in, the, in real. Uh, take care and enjoy your, your van life. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast till the end. If you want to support this initiative, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you follow. Just click on the subscribe button, rate it five stars, and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to share the podcast on your favorite social media. Thank you for listening to Smart Creation, the podcast, an invitation to explore the potential of sustainable fashion. 